Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Today, we are gifted with a powerful, timely, and uplifting gospel message. For in this reading, we are shown how to love amidst diversity. Not in a Pollyanna-type way, for we are to look at the facts, but as followers of Christ Jesus, we go beyond. For when we ask Christ into the equation, Christ transforms it. When we ask Christ into the equation, Christ transforms it. For example, in James Hewitt's book on illustrations, he told this story. In the days of the Revolutionary War, there lived at Ephrata, Ephrata Pennsylvania, a Baptist pastor by the name of Peter Miller, who enjoyed the friendship of George Washington. There also dwelt in that town one Michael Whitman, an evil-minded man who did all in his power to abuse and oppose this pastor. One day, Michael Whitman was involved in treason and was arrested and sentenced to death. The old preacher started out on foot and walked the entire 70 miles to Philadelphia to plead for this man's life. He was admitted into Washington's presence and at once begged for the life of the traitor. Washington said, no, Peter, I cannot grant you the life of your friend. The preacher exclaimed, he's not my friend. He is the bitterest enemy I have. Washington cried, what? You've walked 70 miles to save the life of an enemy? That puts the matter in a different light. I will grant the pardon. And he did. And Peter Miller took Michael Whitman from the very shadow of death 
back to his home in Ifreta, no longer as an enemy, but as a friend. That is the transforming power of Christ, working through the pastor Peter Miller. God has shown us transforming his transforming love throughout the Old and New Testament. Look at the story of Joseph with his multicolored robes, who was sold by his brothers into slavery. Joseph, from slave to the second most powerful man in Egypt, next to the Pharaoh, Joseph kept the faith in God. And the ending story is of reconciliation and love with his family. God did that through Joseph. God can do that through you. Let's look at the gospel story. Never try to outsmart Jesus. Yet that is exactly what the Pharisees and Herodians were doing. They were trying to test Jesus in a nice, quote unquote, way. At least it seems so on the surface. Why? The Pharisees were very religious and believed in God of Israel and Moses. Yet Jesus was a threat to them. Jesus was a threat. We know about Pharisees. Paul was a Pharisee and a killer of followers of Jesus the Christ until his vision of Christ on his walk to Damascus. So what do people do when they are threatened? We all react differently. Many need control, however that plays out. Some confront, some hide, and others try to make their opponent look dumb. We see a lot of this on television recently during an election year. The Pharisees would be equivalent to church people, church leaders today, trying in a nice way to set someone up. The topic the Pharisees as religious leaders chose was a hot topic of the times. Today, it would be something discussed on opposing news networks. Here, the Pharisees wanted to test the Son of God, Jesus. Where were their heads? Clearly to us, they did not understand. 
Let's look at the issue. If Jesus answered yes to the question, he would offend the nationalists. And if he said no, the Pharisees planned on turning him over to the emperor, turning him in. In the time of Jesus, a poll tax equivalent to a denarius or one day's full work was expected to be paid to the Roman Emperor Tiberius Caesar. All men, women, children, and slaves from 12 to 14 years to 65 years of age were to required to pay the fee. What is on the coin? The picture of Tiberius Caesar is on one side, and on the other side, translated from Latin, Tiberius Caesar, August son of the divine Augustus, high priest. When Jesus points to the coin, he is pointing out two kingdoms. Two. One is Caesar. Render under Caesar what is Caesar's. This homage was considered propaganda by the Jews. So when Jesus answered the question of the Pharisees and Herodians, he answered it for us too. Pay the emperor's tax. Pay your tax. Be a law-abiding citizen. The early Christian church paid their tax as referenced in Romans, the 13th chapter, the first through seventh verses, First Peter, the second chapter, the 13th through 17 verses, and Matthew 17, 24 through 27. You say, okay, so all this so I know to pay my taxes. No. It is to show the difference between God's kingdom and the Roman Empire. Now we see what belonged to the kingdom of Tiberius Caesar and what belonged to the kingdom of God. What else do we learn here? In the story of David and Goliath, David slew Goliath. What is your image of David? Many of us automatically think of Michelangelo's sculpture of David, a 25 to 30 year old man with great physical strength. Yes, David had strength, but it came from God. How do we slay our dragons, 
monsters, persons who belittle our character, and those who are nice, so nice, doing it. David was backed by God. He went to Goliath and told him so. Yet looking closer at the story, David had jealous brothers and a king that was jealous and plotted to kill him. You could say David was definitely set up. He used the tools that God had given him to face his adversaries. His father, Jesse, had tried to get him to wear armor and carry a sword. David couldn't walk with the sword and the armor. It was too heavy, too much, couldn't walk. He reminded his dad that he had killed a lion and brought back their lamb with his stones. So David, the shepherd boy, went to face Goliath without the trappings of a soldier. Goliath left. We know that was his last one. David's strength came from God. God transformed what happened through his servant, David. What are we to do? Our gospel lesson is quite clear. This is one of Jesus' most powerful messages because he shows us what to do. Go to God. Be honest with our triune God. Be honest with ourselves. If we are set up, how can this be solved? In our lesson, Jesus calls the Pharisees and Herodians on their malice, on their setup. He says, you hypocrites. So be aware of your surroundings. No time to be an ostrich with its head in the sand. Next, Jesus went to God. In so doing, he was freed to love. This is key. Jesus went to God and he was freed to love. As we go to Christ Jesus, we are freed to love. If you choose to face this time with our triune God, God will help you. You may need a many things, time to forgive, to talk out your anger and frustration, a counselor, no matter, God will lead you through. What do we get? The peace of Christ and freedom to love. When we go to God, 
amazing things can happen. We are freed. Our energy goes from being zapped in the feeling of being tied in knots to being relaxed and ready to serve. Freeing, refreshing. We can use more of who we are to tackle the challenge or problem. God gives us new insight and direction and strength. God's perspective is so different than ours. God sees all. So when we ask for help in this situation, it also heals beyond what we can imagine. Again, healing may take time and does take time sometimes. Yet we know it will be. Our God is amazing. Jesus the Christ, with the Holy Spirit's guidance, transforms us to another level of existence. We go from heated in our battle with our dragons, monsters, to observing with God. It is like a time out, a way to step away from the heat and then go back in empowered by Christ Jesus. Let me say that again, a way to step away from the heat and then go back in empowered by Christ Jesus. Like the preacher in my opening story, our triune God can use us as followers of our Lord and Savior to transform the complexities we now face. Open yourself to Christ's authority and leadership. God can make something glorious out of the mess we see. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.